Hi, I'm Lauren Stiving, and welcome to this episode of the Career Success Podcast. Today, we'll be joined by Joanna Allen, the Global Vice President for Hellman's at Unilever. Joanna is an instinctive marketeer who relishes a challenge and performs best under pressure to deliver transformational impact. She has a high capacity to learn, which provides her with a foundation for crafting a compelling vision for the future. With a breadth of experience in food and beverages as a global and local marketeer, Joanna thrives in environments that foster diversity of perspective and demand high levels of productivity. Welcome, Joanna. Thanks, Lauren. Great to be speaking with you today. Thank you for joining us. So basically, you know, having worked across multiple markets globally, working with diverse groups of people is something that you must know very well. What are some of the benefits that this has had on your career? Yeah, so certainly in the roles that I've had both at Coke and at Unilever, I've had the opportunity to work in roles with Global Scope and and through this have had the privilege of partnering with an incredibly diverse group of marketeers from, you know, developed and emerging markets, um, addressing quite distinct challenges. And that diversity of perspective is something I've realized that I've appreciated as far back, in fact, as when I was studying my degree at London School of Economics. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the UK's kind of geographically most diverse universities. So I've certainly had an appreciation for it for a long time. I think from my personal career, it's really made me appreciate more, I would say, matrix style career paths rather than kind of hierarchical ones. And so for each role I've considered as I've developed through my career, I've always asked the question, um, what new learning experience does this present? Mm -hmm. And then what kind of unique experiences or capabilities do I bring that will add a kind of differentiated value to the role versus potentially other candidates? And has this had any effect on your recruitment strategy at all? For sure. Earlier this week, actually, I was reading Wendy Clark's article in Campaign um, ahead of her chairing the glass line uh, jury at Cannes this week. And she talked about nurturing mosaic teams. And that was something that really resonated with me, um, with my own approach. And as I think about the teams that I've led, um, I've had the opportunity to recruit and work with talented marketeers who represent diversity across so many dimensions. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, gender and sexuality, um, but also diversity in terms of mental processing styles, um, kind of different strengths and different experiences from, from geographies. I think it's easy to recruit people based on kind of natural affinity. Sure. Um, But I think uh, I would challenge a team that all kind of thinks the same way, operates the same way to really deliver kind of transformational business ideas. As they kind of say, you need a bit of grit to form a pearl. Um, And I'm I'm a big believer in terms of actually some of that diversity can, can really challenge a team and make it operate at a higher level. Sure. And I know Unilever is a company that uh, highly promotes female leaders. Um, How do you think other companies can continue to bring the diversity initiative to the forefront? Yeah, it certainly is. And I think under Alini Santos's leadership, there's a really strong diversity and inclusion agenda at Unilever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think two things stand out for me when I think about the actions that other companies can take to drive the diversity agenda. 
I think the first is around ensuring there's an active mentoring program. And that doesn't have to be a formal program, but I think somewhere that that is encouraged. If you think about the role that you can play in an organization of helping somebody reach greater heights, I think actually that's one of the most powerful contributions a leader can make. The second thing then I think is really important um, is shining a spotlight on the role models. Um, I think there's an enormous value if you can identify with someone who's kind of forged a path similar to one that you want to take. And and whilst we all aspire to be pioneers, sometimes it's easier if you've if you've seen someone tread that path in front of you. And I think that's, you know, that's easier for some organizations or even within organizations, some functions um, more than others. But I think if you don't have the opportunity to showcase great female talent internally, there's always the opportunity to show that that talent outside of your organization. And I think, you know, the the time now is for action rather than just talking. And so I would encourage organizations to take those first, even small steps today, rather than considering, you know, talking and, and acting less. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I know as well, you know, even from managers or mentors, you know, more senior people that you're working with, it's always good to get feedback. I wanted to ask as well, what is the best feedback you've ever been given? Interestingly, as I think about the best piece of feedback I've received, it's not come from a colleague or a boss in the work environment. It actually came from a medical professional. Okay. (laughs) So if you'll indulge me a little, when my son was born, he was born with a limb deficiency. Essentially, he's um, missing a hand on one of his arms. And that was discovered quite early on in my pregnancy. And so obviously, we sought out a team to, to make sure that we had the right support for James once he was born. Mm-hmm. There was an amazing professional called Dr. Colleen Coulter who shared with me that I would be amazed at how adaptable um, James would be with what we felt like was a quite a significant challenge. And so I think, I mean, it certainly helps. He's a very determined little boy. But as, as I went through that experience, actually, it challenged my leadership style at work as well. I really try to coach more rather than direct my teams. Mm-hmm. Um, absolute advocate of teams asking for forgiveness rather than permission. And then from a personal perspective, I think in the face of constraints or challenges, think about how I can be adaptable to a situation mm-hmm. rather than just get frustrated. So, you know, we can always learn a ton from our kids and sometimes the teams that support them as well. Yeah, that's great. Well, as well, let's shift a bit uh, just to discuss uh, the FMCG food industry. Uh, I wanted to ask as well, what are the biggest challenges that your business will face in the next five years? Yeah, I think it's a it's a challenge that's not unique to foods, but in many respects, food, because food culture is is so much at the forefront of culture. I think it's um, it's a challenge that is facing foods as much as anybody else. Okay. I think it's the opportunity and the challenge that comes from mass segmentation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whether that's about how we reach out and engage with our consumers um, or, say, the fragmentation of channels that consumers can purchase our products um, or even kind of the opportunities as we understand more about DNA for micro-personalization, mm-hmm. I think this is demanding a massive transformation of how people do business. and. Arguably, that's tougher. It's a tougher challenge on the more large established companies, I think, than sometimes it is of the smaller local businesses. As I said, it's a challenge, but I think it's also an opportunity. And I think the benefit of of working with a very sort of future-facing organization like Unilever is that everyone recognizes the need for change. Um, 
And so, you know, just a couple of examples, I think, of how we're already kind of um, responding to that challenge. You know, as I look at how um, we're challenging ourselves to make sure our brands are fit for purpose within the e-com channel. Okay. Um, adopting platforms like Seltra or Google's Vogon platform, which mm-hmm. are now enabling, you know, mass customization of, of relatively simple pieces of content that can then be deployed from a programmatic media perspective. So I think, you know, it's certainly a challenge. I think we're taking some early steps to make sure as a business that we're, we're fit for the future, but um, certainly one that will transform what our organization looks like and many organizations over the next five years. Sure. And I mean, there's a lot of discussion as well around uh, the the political state at this moment globally, you know, that we've entered into a new age of political extremism. Um, do you think businesses uh, can be a bigger force for good in society? Absolutely. And and frankly, it's one of the many reasons I joined Unilever. It's one of the many reasons many people join Unilever. Um, from its very foundation, Unilever is a business that um, talks about value and values, so a perspective mm-hmm. that we can have this kind of compounding growth model that benefits all stakeholders, not just investors. Um, I think in the context of political extremism, I had the opportunity to spend time with the Edelman team who led the Trust Barometer. Uh-huh. And there's some great information about that online, even if you don't work with the Edelman team directly. And I think it was really interesting to see that, um, you know, in the context of the political situation that we're all operating in, you know, business actually is second only to NGOs in terms of levels of trust, while sure. government continues to kind of be really significantly challenged. Certainly, it's it's exacerbated. I think the, the new context that we're operating in, and that feels certainly something that people have been having a lot of dialogue over, over certainly the last year is this sort of notion of the echo chamber um, where some would argue that sort of facts matter less, that opinions become Mm -hmm. self-reinforcing. And there was an interesting uh, piece within the trust barometer that talked about search engines, um, arguably even with their own biases, are better at curating news than, um, than human editors. And so I think, you know, the challenge particularly for brand marketeers, is in that kind of new phenomenon of an echo chamber. Actually, how do you connect with consumers? How do you penetrate that echo chamber? Sure. Um, and I think, you know, we're just at the at the beginning of understanding the role that influencers can play um, because often, actually, if you have shared values, they can be a better um, forum for sharing your point of view um, than necessarily even hearing it directly from a brand. Um, and I think, you know, you see that in food as much as you see that in any other category where, you know, the role of kind of the, the micro blogger, the food blogger, um, the role of kind of mum's forums can be actually an incredibly powerful asset within your your marketing campaigns beyond kind of the more traditional uh, routes to engaging with consumers. Sure. Well, Joanna, all of your input has been very insightful, and I'm sure our listeners have really enjoyed it. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for the time. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of the Career Success Podcast.